Hi, this is Santi Osino and you're listening to the Cherry Jam Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 11, series 5 of Cherry Jam. Myself, Ed Price, Russ Brooks, James Eastwood, also known as Snowy, and Jim Harley. Uh, right. And I have to be honest, I missed the fun and games of Friday night. I was driving back from London. The other three here on the pod watched it live, plus Loz. Um I did put myself through a replay of it, albeit at like three times speed. So I did zip through the misery um, and again, didn't have to get the full experience. But we will be talking about Gloucester's defeat away to sale. Um, We will also be talking about just uh, sort of a review of the World Cup, um, because obviously it was only myself and Jim last week talking about the World Cup final, um, where we think the future lies in terms of rugby. There's been more talks around where that might be happening. And kind of as we're coming up to the first month and a bit of the season where we think Gloucester's season looks like it's heading. I know Snowy has got particular thoughts on this and I'm looking forward to hearing those. Um, But we will start with a very disappointing night again uh, on Friday night, a way to sail. Um, 24-10 24-10 defeat, and I think pr- that probably would uh, flatter Gloucester in, in all, it, it really. Um, and as I said, full, full disclosure, I didn't watch it live, so I'm going to hand it over to the guys to, to start talking about this first. Um, I'm not expecting a huge amount of uh, of hands up straight away, but who would like to start? Snowy wants to go. There we go. <laughs> Snowy, crack on. Get it out of the way first, because then I can finally chill and enjoy what the last hour of my weekend. Mm. Um, so first of all, if we start before the game, the the team put out is just like the team we've put out for all the other games, a completely random dice roll of the players that we've got available to see who starts in some sort of weird decision around come April, we're going to be awesome when we're already 10 points off the rest of the teams in the league. Um, so the, we've got international players back. Now... It kind of makes sense to rest those international players. They've worked quite hard. They've smashed people around. It looks like every other team in the Premiership has played international players who felt like they haven't got any niggles and they're fresh and able to go. And they realise that points at this time of the season are worth the same amount of points at the the latter end of the season, like, like we've said before. So, yeah, team selection. I think we've got very lucky with the first three games we've played. You could argue we should have lost all three. Certainly two of them. Um, and we should really approach it that we've got to try and get something from the game, but it's almost like it was a, we never do well at sail away. Let's sort of chance our arm with a bit of a mixed side and in effect through the points, through the points down the drain. As you say, the score was flattering. In terms of the game itself, we didn't have any, any of the fundamentals in place at all. So we had, we had no set piece. Big issue for any Gloucester side. We didn't have them all often our only the only thing that sort of puts us in the top half of the league is an effective ball. The ball's no longer effective. It hasn't been for a long time either. It's, it, that isn't a suddenly this season we haven't quite gelled with them all. It wasn't effective for the second half of the last season either. And then when we look at the backs, we've got Ackerson and Harris in the centres, two very experienced top quality centres. But then we've just got practically academy players everywhere else. Um so there was never any sort of like structured go go forward where we could move the ball around. There was there was the one really good opportunity in the far corner, um, which was just a dreadful finish 
Um, mm. But he just has to score and, and ended up being held up. That, to be fair, that was a good attack off first phase ball. That aside, we didn't fret, we didn't fret that line the entire game. Um, and yeah, what what can I say? I I I think our our biggest problem, the one that we've had for a long one, well, no, no, our biggest problem is Skivington. But the the biggest problem in terms <laughs> of the game itself that we've had for a long time is we don't make hard yards over the gain line. So we never we. And because of that, we never ever generate fastball, and that's you could. It's a bit of um, chicken and egg around. Is that because we've never got into a rhythm of doing it because we always slow the ball down and kick it away, as we have done for the last few years, or is it the case that because we can't do it, that was probably not our best option <laughs> before? I don't know which way around that yeah. is, but, but we just we don't have those. We don't have those players that pick and go around the fringes. We don't have a scrum half that keeps them excited around the fringes. We don't have like quick offloads that bring a, a, a big ball carrier in to make hard yards and then we ship it out fast when the de- defence are sort of um, on the back foot um, and because of that we're just everything is so static and slow and yeah it's not good it's not good and I, I completely I'll get onto it now it feels like every year we're like, oh, Skivington's trying something slightly new. We'll just give him the time. He's a young coach and everything. It, it's we 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 have got worse week on week since he took over, and it, it's just it's beyond a joke now. To be honest, anyone who still thinks he's got this some sort some sort of great vision for how he's developing the club, we've just got a load of like random youngsters out there, talented players playing out of position or bit not being picked, and absolutely no structure on the pitch whatsoever. It's a joke. That's me done. Cheers, guys. <laughs> right, you would like to um to add in I've got uh, a couple uh, of points. I... I have more technical points which I'll come on to in a bit. So I'll let you guys rant. Shall I shall I light shall I lighten the mood? Because go ahead, you know, Russ. Along Go with on. Snowy, I'm obviously a big, big fan of our game plan, and I've certainly not bemoaned us for a while. Um I have I couldn't be on the pod last week and actually the Saracens game annoyed me more, and I think for my own sanity, it was probably good I wasn't. This week, I just felt numb about it all. I just found it really hard to get excited by anything we did. I think the weather helped us out massively. And I think Mm -hmm. what was infuriating was watching a side like Sale not do anything particularly special, but just do it well in good conditions and just watch them make sensible conditions in the weather. We just made dull decision after dull decision after dull decision. Um just couldn't execute and I think what annoys me is teams have found us out now they stop our more we're fucked to stop they don't even have to stop them all now they stop the line out to stop the attack you've just got to stop us getting over the game line twice which like Snowy said is easy because we've got no fucking ball carriers to stop us on the line twice and then we kick it away we have no plan B so we can't offer anything Um, someone said to me Tuasu was walking around everywhere and was useless. And I, at the time, I thought, do you know what? Maybe he is. But actually, I think it was just because he was fucking knackered because he's the only option we've got to carry the ball in the pack. Um, we've got we've got no ball carriers in that pack at the moment. Um, I think the other thing that really annoyed me is you would think that our... Um, our coach would know a thing or two about second rows. He might have some credibility there, but it, to, to Snow's point, to see some young academy lads being thrown in at second row 
when we've got options available there. The, the whole rotation policy really annoys me. Like, Creevy played trained for 18 minutes with Sale, and they still were prepared to chuck him in. We put another lad at fullback who's not a fullback, and we've got someone come back who is one of the best fullbacks in probably the world, even though we play him at fly half, but then so do Argentina. I just find it really frustrating, and I'm completely with Snowy. I don't think it's down to the effort of the lads. I just don't see the game plan. And they interviewed George Skivington um, during the game, and the analysis was just painful. He's like, oh, we're all trying really hard, which, again, as we've all said on this pod, that's the bare minimum I'd expect from a professional is that they, they try hard. And then at the end, he was like, I thought we played really well for 60 minutes, which would I dispute and disagree with. But also rugby is not a game that's played for 60 minutes. I'm kind of more worried about how we are at the AT. So for me, I'm, I'm with Snowy. It was more of the same. And it was a really, really hard watch, that one. Um Jim, I'm sure Jim uh, has lots of happy thoughts to cheer everyone up who's tuned in. Do you, do you want this. me to come to you, Jim, or would you like me to just, just a couple of technical points I noticed? Obviously, watching back and reading and, and again hearing sort of Healy's, there's a really good point Healy made around um, our use of scrum half and then the opportunity the, the, around the tacticals of taxi kicking away. Do you want to come in now or do you want me to do that? Um, I've just finished my kebab, so I'm good to go. Go, go. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just kind of following on really from what um, what the guys have said. Tuasui was <coughs> just so obviously going to be our our ball carrier because he is the only ball carrier we've got. There was no subtlety at all. So it was incredibly easy for sales defence to just two-man chop him down, put us on the back foot. And yeah, he probably was tired, Russ, which is why he was probably walking a bit because, fuck me... He, he he must have just... I mean, he didn't carry for any metres at all, but he put in some massive efforts and he yeah. was getting smashed, right? Properly smashed. Um, I think it was it was noticeable, actually, when Mickey Young came on, it seemed a little bit quicker from the base. That might have just been because, you know, there's a little bit less um, kind of counter-rucking, so it's easier to get a quick ball, but it definitely seemed faster when he came on. Um, which does make a difference, and there was a little bit, little bit more potential for go forward. But like the guys have said, you know, we got into a kicking duel. George Ford, you know, he's one of the best ki- kicking from hand <coughs> guys, you know, in the league. And we've got our academy back three, kind of firing, firing kicks his way, and he's like, "Thanks very much, bang, bang, bang." And the territory gain that Sale got for absolutely nothing in those exchanges was huge. Um, and the only other thing was that, you know, any other game, any other team, George Forge misses those kicks and Sale will be punished. And we did not capitalise at all on that because, you know, that was inexcusable, some of the, some of the kicks that he missed. Um, and... You're not going to get opportunities like that. You know, the, the score did flatter us because actually we were we were never too far from a from a, another fluky try, you know, from a bonus point and potentially even even the win if we'd have got even more luck because it would have had to be luck. It wasn't anything skillful that we'd have done to the score. 
Do you, I mean, so a couple of things watching it back. And again, obviously, as I said, didn't watch it live. So therefore, I knew the result. And therefore, I skipped through some bits because why the hell do I want to watch, um, you know, five minutes of injury while someone's getting treated? But one of the things that were really noticeable, I thought, if you look, and again, stats back it up a little bit on this, is that the breakdown, although we, we, we did okay at the breakdown, um, surprisingly, I, I felt, um, we got a, a quite a number of turnovers um we put and and to Skivenson's point I think we said he mentioned we put them under pressure and things like that and I kind of in in being very generous I if he's talking about we put them under pressure for them to make mistakes yeah sort of but we didn't capitalize as you all said we haven't didn't capitalize at all on any of their mistakes I mean you you stick it into the corner and you're expecting a, um, a line out and a mall to operate efficiently and properly and we can't do it Sale so basically just threw a man up disrupted our line out disrupted them all nothing um and then yeah going back onto healy's point which is one of it's rare because austin tends to just sort of chat nonsense but one of the things he did mention the point was the fact that in our defensive structure we put um our scrum half out on the wing out away from the, the big ball ball carriers almost protecting him but it means but the biggest problem is when we get a turnover there's no one there to incredibly slow isn't it yeah there's no one there to move the ball quickly so what ends up happening is we end up kicking it because that's the default because you've got to get Chapman who's got to run and from the, the one side of the pitch to the other side of the pitch to get to the ball to then check it, check it out yeah, and it's yeah, the yeah, best yeah, attacking my, my, opportunity you can possibly get but my yeah. counter to that even though that is a good point and I understand his frustration is that's what 10 of the 12 teams in the premiership are doing at the minute and they all do it effectively because they've got other players that can step in I was going to say this is the yeah. difference so. This it, is the difference, yeah. It, this is classic Gloucester. So someone's seen that somewhere. Oh, this yeah. is what coaches are doing now. They've moved the scrum half out to the wing. And then when it happens to us, no one knows what they're doing. No. I mean, yeah, yeah. And, and, and to be fair, it was the same against Saracens, to be honest. There was a couple of times against Saracens where we had quick turnover ball and we had opportunities to go wide quickly. But no one was prepared to throw that pass out. No one was throw to, prepared to give the ball to Barton, to... Um, Harris to whoever and actually start an attack. We do have attacking threats. It's just they're not getting the opportunity in broken play to to attack it. And then I suppose the other thing I know, I, we, we mentioned before we started recording is, and you've really hammered hammered home the point, and it's a really important point to make. Outside of Tuasui, we don't have unless Zach Mercer is playing. We don't currently have any ball carriers, like none. We do. Um, we just haven't rotated them in, have we? I no, don't no, know where Ru- where, so, so, where is well, Ruin. Ruin is apparently injured, so Ruin has got not again. So there's there's other aspects which I think we've all been frustrated for about in the past, which is the communication from the club. I, 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 cl- I, I, I just interrupt I, on the on the point you asked. I I don't like the term ball carrier. They're all ball carriers. Okay, right? so the, maybe the, uh, the, issue, the, yeah. the issue is you have you have Tuasui who runs from deep and you give him the ball and he runs hard and straight and hopefully someone slips a bit of a tackle and you get over the line. That's like a very, I think that's quite an old fashioned no, it's incredibly old for, fashioned. for ball it... carrier. I think what what we should be doing is trying to generate fast ball and that's, that's people working around the fringes. It's quick pops. It's all of those. There's players all over the pitch that are capable of being ball carriers. There are no, but just don't play that style of rugby. Yeah. And I, I agree, but also <laughs> When I say ball carriers, it's, it's offering another option as well, isn't it? So <clears throat> let's be like Atkinson 
there are a couple of times where you could see him being a bit flatter and his ability to hold a pass to last minute made a difference. It would have generated space. And there were a couple, I think, that we had a couple of breaks off of that. And there were about yeah. it was, but there's no who's who's running those lines for him that's, to create yeah, sorry, that. Where, point, where yeah. you know, and someone was saying, well, you you need to generate offloads. But if 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 you've got no one around you, like you say, Snow, why am I going to look for an offload? If I'm if I'm busting and I think there's no one there, you're just going to keep busting. And and when I I said this to Ed in the chat when we were moaning about the Saracens game, and I you know Saracens did set us up really well, defended really well, and made it hard to play. What we're bad at doing is showing a different hand. Is you know that we're going to do two or three phases, go going nowhere, box kick, and you haven't got that thing that you said, Snow, with someone coming off the nine, coming off the ten, whoever just trying to generate a bit of go forward. And it does, and I, I acknowledge when Edward it does then give you no choice but to kick it away. Um, well, well, one thing to note, though, is, is that normally when we have this conversation, as we've had on the pod loads over the last few years, because it's fucking the same thing happens every week, <laughs> is that normally we're like, look at this, look how good this squad is oh, on paper. We're not playing for some of our parts. We're shit on paper now. Yeah, I oh, think it... that was going to come on to the selection. So I, I, when they, when, when I, when George Skivington was making the point uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago about rotating and bringing the players back in and uh, in stages and all the rest of it because he wanted to make sure he didn't make the same mistakes as last year. No, that's absolutely correct, George. You've not made the same mistakes as last year. <laughs> it's just you've made, made a big um, I, I don't understand. <laughs> I mean, look, we're going to fight this Friday, I think is a really, really important game for George Skivington, probably more so than I think we all thought would be at this stage of the season. I should say, I know Snowy's not a fan, I should say I don't really see the point of getting rid, rid of George Skivington. I don't see what it adds, what benefit we've got. They're all the rock. They're all going to be some. It's George Skivington's players. It's George Skivington's tactics. Yes, he's got to own that, but changing it means we've got to pay him off. We've even got to bring another coach in. Who's the one going to want to come in? Knowing it's going to take another two, three years. I take the point, but there's no point changing mid-season. I, 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 I agree. One. I agree to an extent because you have to. You probably have to pay him off. Yeah, but he is go hundred percent. He is going yeah at the end of the season because he is he's not suddenly finding some secret because he hasn't got a clue. Yeah, I think so. So, so, so if if you sort of accept that he's leaving, is it yeah, better yeah, that we waste the rest of the season and get rid of him in the summer? It, it, I, 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 I can see both sides of it as well. I, I think he's got to go. I just do not see any more how it improves, and I think I've been quite open about that. And I'm not someone who likes sacking people for the head of it. I, I don't have an answer to who you bring in. But then why should I? That's, that's for the powers that be to go yeah. out and do the right work. And I, I take your point as well, Ed. But it, like Snowy said, it feels like the death of a thousand paper cuts at the moment. I'm not saying it will improve massively, but I am just sick to fucking death of this is next year will be our year. The, the pod is called Cherry Jam. I'm so tired of jam fucking tomorrow. I'm so tired of watching the same shit be regurgitated. As I've said before, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different result. And that's all we're seeing. If I could see him go, do you know what, lads? I fucked up. Here's a change in the strategy. We're going to try something different. I'd be more for I mean, it, but I just fair, cannot Russ, bear to see. So one thing I would say, Skimmington, he did change the style of rugby towards the end of last season because we went away 
uh, almost over almost overnight, almost over a case of a couple of games, from the box kicking to almost a all court throw the ball around style of rugby, which we played against, at, you know, to a point, which we played against mm. La Rochelle. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But, but after La Rochelle, he said... We didn't lose. We, we, we lost every game, by the way, after La Rochelle. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he also came out afterwards and said, that was a one-off. I never want to see us playing again, again like that. Even and, though and, and, our best performance. No, no, I, I don't... I, don't I, I, I honestly... I'm saying, what I'm saying, just quickly, before... What, what I, I will let you guys come back in again. Um, one thing I, I was going to say was, the, the around the selection point which you all have kind of made around the, the players were selecting I think it's it's a very fine line because those players pro, I mean sure they will believe that they can do a job and they believe they're good enough to play for premiership rugby and I actually think probably in most cases they are good enough to play premiership rugby but you it's rare that you would have that that younger backline and that inexperienced backline um, with a pack as inexperienced, when you look at the the pack, even people like um, Jamal and Kirill, they haven't played a huge amount of Premiership rugby. When you look at the, I know they played quite a bit over the last couple of seasons, but comparatively, you know, I I do think that he's missed the trick here. Probably with the exception of Santi, who played a lot of rugby at ten in a very diff- that's a very combative position in a World Cup for Argentina. I think he's probably the only one I would say it's worth resting him because he's going I, to be important yeah. at the end of the season. Everyone else, we should be playing. I if, agree. If Sarri's, and, if Sarri's Leicester and Sale are playing all their players, it makes absolutely no sense to rest ours. And we oh, well, Leicester, Leicester rested theirs. Leicester rested theirs, but obviously Sarri's, Sarri's played didn't. all theirs. I mean, Christ, I, Sarri's side on, and, Sarri's and, side on, uh, on Saturday said, was ridiculous. Yeah, Atoji said, didn't he, um, post-match, something along the lines of yeah, we're going to get rotated and have a bit of a rest over the next few weeks. So basically, they're all back in because they all wanted to play. Yeah. And then um, one of them might have a rest next week. Another one might have a rest the week after that. But they've Les- got a ridiculous Lester squad. Have won one game this season, so I don't think their policy is working I particularly think well either. <laughs> no, the problem with our policy is it's so scattershot. It reminds me of... A few years ago when I was bored at work and I'd play championship manager or football manager in the background and I didn't necessarily have the time I'd like to pick a football team in my team. So I'd go, oh, you can go goalie. I haven't played you for a few weeks. I'll stick you in in defence. It it just feels very scattershot and it's, it's really hard to have any continuity. I think rugby is a game, especially where you keep changing your combinations it's really hard to formulate a, a, a coherent game plan. And it, it, it sh- I think that's starting to show. And I think what's you couple that with just the continual frustration of who's injured, who isn't like Val pulls out at the last minute again. And it's, it's just as a fan, you're just throwing your hands up going, what is going on? And it's, you, We've we've had made this point before. You, can, I don't need to know all the ins and outs. So I understand where the policy came from, but just say who is injured and a rough time scale. It's not like we're going to take them to court if it's wrong. That that generates a bit of goodwill. But it, the other thing that's changed, Ed, is we have a new attack slash skills coach, and 
we've I think until we scored the try, which by the way we haven't touched on is one of the no, funniest <laughs> one of the funniest, bizarrest tries I've ever seen and yeah. summed up that game for me. Before that, we'd scored nine points in four halves. So I don't know whether we're paying the guy by the point, but it's not like that's changed anything either. So let's not just put this on Skivington, but the other reason why I think at some point he's got to be held accountable is the counter argument everyone always gave the last few years. It's not his squad. You've got to let him get his players in. He's got nowhere to hide now. And that bath game is massive. And lo and behold, they've lost the last two games as well. Um, so who what, do you want to what are we um what are we trying to do? That's what I don't get. <laughs> If, like, like, what's what's the thing that we're trying to work towards? I, what, I, I, yeah, I, my get my gut is on this. So, watching them play, watching them play, you know, in the preseason and the game so far, my my kind of gut in the structure and style of play is, we do want to play uh, a more expansive style. Um, certainly, preseason we kicked far less than we had last year and year before. Um, I think what's happened again is that combination of injuries unavailable for selection in inverted commas. <laughs> and, and I think also probably to a point for certainly the Newcastle game. And I would say maybe sale um, conditions have led them to say, Do you know what, we're going to be really, really economical and not throw the ball around. We're going to kick it a bit more. But I, my my gut is we want to play more of a more attacking, more exciting brand of rugby, but, we're kind of hampered at this point. Now, I, I'm not saying it's going to get better. Mm. I'm just saying that I, the, the style of rugby we were playing through pre-season is not the style of rugby we played in the last couple of games. Yeah. Quinns was very much what we played throughout pre-season. And all right, we, we got lucky at the end. But that was a very much the style of rugby we played all season, uh, so all pre-season. Newcastle, Saris. Sarries to a point, first 20 minutes, 25 minutes was very much like the preseason, but we got drawn into a kicking game because Saracens just um, smothered us. Uh, Newcastle, you obviously couldn't play a, a, a particularly that side of rugby because the, the, it was blowing a gale. Sale, similar. Um, but I, I don't know. But I mean, this Friday night, I don't know what the weather's like this Friday night, but we can't keep blaming the weather. At some point, you're going to have to go, sod and it, I don't think... let's throw the ball around. These guys are paid to catch and but, throw a ball. And it goes back to it. None of us here are saying play from everywhere, are we? We no. all want sensible, pragmatic rugby. I mean, Laws, more than anyone, is the person screaming, take the free. And I sometimes wish we would do that more than should have done it at least three times. We should have done it at least twice, three times on Friday. I think what what we all want, do you know what I want more than running rugby? Us to be clinical, to be calculating, and to be a good, hard to beat side. Because do you know what Gloucester's biggest problem is? Everyone talks about the home effect. I don't think anyone's afraid of playing us at home. I want I want us to go back to being that side where everyone goes, oh, fuck, Kings, I'm not. Oh, I don't want that game. I don't yeah. care if we run it from everywhere. I'd like to see some good tries, and I like good running rugby. I'd just like us to be hard to fucking beat, not go, right, guys, stop them at source, kill their line out, and these bastards are ours for the taking. Well, there's, 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 a lot of chat. there's a lot of chat about um, kind of the, the French model, if you like, whereby you win your home games and you pick up a few on the road. And it it would be very easy, especially if we want to rest players and have a bit of squad rotation. We could 
stack our our team at home and go mm-hmm. all out, best possible fifteen. And and then when we're away from home, you you do a bit of rotation and you take a little bit more risk, you know, and and, and risk the yeah. loss. That's probably um, which which That's is kind of sensible. Yeah, and it makes sense. Yeah, and we used to always, we all thought that was sensible. But what we need, what we need, and you're absolutely right, Russ, if we get into a situation whereby you're unbeaten at home in three years, you know, which the top sides are, then it it then becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because you have teams going, well, there's no point taking our first 15 because they'll still yeah, get exactly. so then they send a weaker side to you because they expect to get beaten anyway and then they get beaten and it just means that we win all our home games relatively yeah. easily <laughs> and then and then of course the crowd are loving it because it's more entertaining you know I mean obviously when you win at, win at the death it's, it's great entertainment but actually if you could do away with all that stress and everyone has a party atmosphere for the 80 minutes because you're, you're just in control of the game, then people love that and you sell more tickets. So That's what used I to mean, happen, it's, isn't it? It's like yeah. it's, it's only the really good teams turned up with a side that was challenging for a win. And a lot of the lesser teams, just they, they knew they'd lost before they even came to Keynes. I think even when we finished top of the league, our away record wasn't great. There was a season a few yeah. years ago, and I think we were all, what's going on when we were actually winning away from home? I think we are all preconditioned was to be like, ah, Gloucester away. 2003, but there's one where we won all our home games and three away games. Yeah, and I think uh, we, we, we won, a, I think we only lost... We only lost a few away games in. So the, yeah, the two thousand and two three season. I think two thousand and two three. I think we won every single home game. I might be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure we won every home game in the league. And then uh, we. I remember we lost to Wasps. We drew with Bath. I think we beat. We lost to uh, to Leicester, but we beat like Northampton. We beat yeah, Newcastle. Not that, we were like ten points ahead, yeah. so it won't be that one. But there's one season where we won all our home games and only three. Maybe it's yeah. the one where we played Saris in the semi at home. Yeah, yeah. It probably. Um, but yeah. you can build a good season on that, like Jim, because he's not a big league now, is it? There's ten well, teams. Fundamentally, if all you need to do to win the league is finish fourth, I mean, let, let's be honest. If we're gonna, if you're going down that route and you're being tactical and, and the rest of it and saying, right, we're gonna, we're gonna, no, absolutely... no, 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 you know, second because we win all our home games. <laughs> yeah, I know you mean, but then, but no, if you, but then what you would do? Then, you're, in, you, then you're into, but you're in the semi-final and you're going to be stacking your team <laughs> anyway, aren't you? So it doesn't yeah, make a difference. I, I, but what, but and yeah, but what I'm saying is, you've got to. All you need to do is finish in the top four to potentially win the league. I take your point, Snowy. That yeah, we don't win any away games, but. um but yeah, if you, you as you say, Russ, you can build a really good season by making your home your home games a, a, a really challenging, really difficult thing. I don't think I mean it's it's hand in hand though, isn't it? As as the years have gone by, King's Home has become a less intimidating atmosphere, full stop, mainly because it's more expensive, so all the nutters are kept out. Um and therefore we it's it's more gentrified it's it's a far more family orientated which is lovely and it's very good because but you know there's all these different things that that affect the the game atmosphere you're getting the crowds are crap because they don't want to watch boring rugby and it's a friday night and it's on telly so all this all these aspects that add into it and then as you say we when we don't we don't play our best players when the people who do want to come and see Reece Amit, 
on the on the pitch and he's not even in the squad and not even in the stadium or not you know no one's getting any sort of eyes on him people don't well what's the point why am i spending well, yeah, 45 I, I, 50 I'll quid to go and watch somebody i don't know so full disclosure for me at the moment i genuinely i think in the past i've usually gone above and beyond to try and make home games but at the moment my circumstances for a friday are quite often on way at work now in bristol it's a rush back i sacrifice seeing my my family in the evening to like you know it's literally rush home hi how are you stuff some food and get out and i do find it really hard at the moment with the style of rugby to go do i justify that 30 quid ticket or do i pay if we're not on it's 37 uh, yeah whatever exactly jim and if it's on tnt sport i can watch it for free in the comfort of my home without rushing and have a beer and get some goodwill with my wife or I can pay on the app and it's ha- like a fraction of the price. If the rugby was a bit better, I think it would be a lot harder to make that decision. And it, it is frustrating because you just don't know what to, like the side. So I, I get all those frustrations. And- Ed, it was a great example, by the way, because he's leaving at the end of the season. I think we're all pretty much resigned to that. Yeah. Fact. And he's yeah. just had, he hasn't played for three weeks. No. So we, unless he's got, unless he's we, got an we injury, should be at, we should be we, mincing him. He should be playing eighty minutes we, every game and getting our value for whatever we're paying. The, him the rotation is, is weird as well. That if sometimes you miss. That was a game that cried out for the likes of a Ludlow, and it to rest him in that game just felt bizarre to me. There's there's some strange decisions, and I think ultimately we'll see how. Um, I think it feels like lately that more people are turning than they were on side. I think a lot of people have given a lot of goodwill to the coaches for a while. Fuck me. If he puts a weakened side out against Bath, if he rotates that game and it goes wrong. So I think this, that, that, that Derby well, Bath are going to play full. Bath are going to go full, aren't they? Finn Russell has to play every week because he costs them absolute fortune. Yeah. So he's going to play unless he's so, injured. And we won't play um, um, Alamano or um, Carreras because they need three weeks as well, like the Louis Summit. Well, this is what I don't understand. So I think, they played a load of games. Well, I think, let's be honest. You, you've got to be honest, right? Where is the biggest weakness being shown in the last couple of weeks? Like second that. row. Second row. Basically second row. Because it's not just catching a ball. It's, you know, there is... An, <laughs> that, that we've lost that element of power and that engine room side of things. The scrum, I think, to be fair, has gone really well. I mean, the scrum's what, I, been all right. I, I think, I think yeah. you know, you look at the scrum in the front rows and the depth we've gotten out of front row. I think, you know, Val was out, you know, but I mean, there's there are suggestions that it was well known that he wasn't going to be playing before the game. But um, Jamal's, Jamal's coming in. Jamal's, Jamal's definitely... Yeah, definitely a sub scrummager though. Like he can't scrummage for eighty minutes. He's not very effective. No. When he comes on as a sub, he's super effective. I thought I thought for Jamal. I think I thought Jamal had a good game in terms of the scrum in when he was on. But on I, I think you're right. On Friday, I thought he, I thought he was fine. I didn't I didn't see there was any issues there. I think the problem is is that it's like anything, isn't it? Jamal had a good game, but I think Kirill got absolutely murdered by Bevan Bevan we, Rod. I, uh, but it, I mean, I I I really rate Bevan Rod. I think. Anyone yeah, struggle yeah. against him. He's a great player. The scrum didn't lose us the game. I agree with second row. I think we really lack some. We don't lack them. We. I, I really like half a clock. I think he's going to be a good yep. player. Going to be. I feel like Freddie Thomas looks more like he should be in the back row than at second row, and it just feels like we've got this habit. Not Freddie. Uh, the other second row, not Freddie Clark. Freddie Clark. Well, Freddie mm. Clark has been 
is probably the problem. We converted him to second row and he was bloody good at it. So now it feels like anyone who's tall and skinny, <laughs> we're sticking the second row. And speaking of someone who lost loads of weight as a prop and then our team went, let's stick him at second row. Doesn't work like that because you could have a sheet of A4 paper under me when I jumped. And I'm not saying, but it just feels like it's a skillful position. And I just, it feels like we lack some depth there. And I mean, like, there, there is, there is, I think the side can just go from, oh, forget how we play and all our crappy game plan. It can go from being crap on paper to very good on paper quite quickly. Yeah. Like once we get Alamano in there, we get Carreras, we get Forley and May back, we get, we get, um, Val back at the front. Suddenly, this the side looks good again. But um, I'm not sure that if it was just injuries and some guys coming back from World Cup, you could sort of understand it. But the trouble is, he is actively not picked stronger. He's actively chosen weaker players, which we can only assume, unless there is a there is loads of fitness issue, uh, loads of injury issues that they're not telling us we can only assume it's because he's trying to do something clever with rotations with the season ahead mm. which is just nonsense yeah um we can all i think agree it was a very disappointing evening and um you know we, i think I, it's probably the angriest i think the whatsapp group's been for a while um i think we, we've all been disappointed previously but that you know, as I, as I as I said, I was coming back from uh, from London and stopped off at Oxford Services, and that was at half time, and it felt angry then. So when I got home, and it was just even angrier. And then, as as I said, I had to then stir, you know, gird my loins and watch it, albeit a you're a, such you're such a hero, Ed. I say what you know, Russ. It's Russ. It's 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 that that hearing it from you makes it all the difference anyway um <laughs> but no i do Heart um, bleeds for you having to watch it again yeah true like, well, no. at least at least russ i mean to be fair russ both our football teams won this weekend so that's that was a good thing that was good to, so. to, to be honest i yeah <laughs> but, you know. and that's that's you know from leeds and Southampton fans that's something that we can't always say uh right we're going to move on we're going to talk about um I think we've kind of covered off the, the Gloucester uh, stuff already. So we are going to talk about the Rugby World Cup more generally, what we all thought about it, the future, because um, the next one's going to be a more expanded version, uh, where we think we can go there. And also, uh, Jim, I think you probably did, as well as I did, watch the final game of the W15. I know you had some issues with uh, ITVX. It is crap. I tried, I tried really hard to watch it and ended up watching it on my phone because... The app just would not work on no. the telly. So we'll we'll talk about that and we'll just talk some more random stuff about rugby. Hello, this is Mark Cummings, and you're listening to the Cherry Jam Podcast. Right. Um we are going to talk about the Rugby World Cup and obviously this is a week on from the final. Uh Jim and I, I think, did a pretty good job at covering off that, but more generally, it'd be good to sort of get your guys' views on what we thought about the tournament generally, um, the future as we move to 2027 and Australia in an expanded tournament. Um, and then we'll talk about the W15 and the, the, the women's tournament at the end. So um, some have said it's the best World Cup ever. Uh, it's an interesting one because I think it had probably the, some of the best games ever. But I don't think I don't think you would say it's the best tournament ever. I think it's quite. I think it was thing. the worst World Cup ever that had three of the <laughs> best. 
It was the worst World Cup ever that had three of the best games ever played in it. I, I mean, I wasn't going to go. I, I, I don't think it's worse. Snow I, think, is, I think 2011 was pretty awful. Snow is snow is gone all in. I wasn't yeah. going to go that far. But I, if, I, you, if you take those three games out of it, it was it was garbage. I don't know. I think there were some good games in the pool games. There were some good well, games in the. I think so. I think the. I, I, I for think me, there were some good games. The Wales Fiji game was a good game. Australia. I was going to say the, Portu- the Portugal Fiji. Portugal Fiji was Portugal, a good game. Fiji. There you go. That was that was the that was the highlight of the. I thought England. I, I mean, I know I know like slaughtered for this before, but I thought England England Argentina was was a was a a, a great win for England. He, he, oh, you missed what? that pod, Snow. You missed yeah. that pod. We had but this no, I argument. It, I think got, ultimately, yeah. Ed. Let's let's review. Ultimately, your argument that it was one of the top was it. Top three, top five, four, I said. top five. I think I said to you it would. What, England, said, Arge- that England yeah. Argentina game. Thank that you, wasn't Snowy. The best England Argentina game. <laughs> <laughs> he, there were lots of caveats. There were lots of caveats, and he, Ed did try his best to die on this hill, but then he changed no, it. Fair enough. I think. I think ultimately it didn't prove to be as meaningful as it could. Have been. No. So Snowy, I'd like to. Hear, so you think it was the worst World Cup? But with three of the best games yeah, ever. Yeah, so, so okay. and the, my reasoning for that is basically it was incredibly unbalanced. Um, and I understand why it's almost a bit of bad luck because the, I think the logic is reasonable for how they sort of split the balls and split the teams. But it just meant that you had teams on the very top of their game going at it too early in the tournament. And in other games, you just had really weak side against really weak side that was quite dull, like going to watch... Tonga, Romania, and or you had good teams just absolutely destroying bad teams. Um, and compared to like some of the great games we had in the in the England World Cup, um, it felt like there was loads of really good action throughout the pool stages. And if anything, it sort of tailed off a bit as things got a bit tense in the knockouts. But in this one, it was like, yes, of course you you get an amazing game when South Africa and Ireland are going at it pool tongs but i think if, if it was better balanced um across the pool stages so that those were the semi-finals and the final i think we'd have gone away and said god that was insane and actually it was a bit like they they just happened too early and, and yeah. i think i think i think we mentioned in the previous pod i think the way to address it is to because i think some of these sort of second second rung teams playing each other can be really good games for the neutral and we discussed this before mm. i think if you can almost have like a two-tier world cup so there's yeah these teams are playing each other and they're great games and then by the time that the top tier teams are coming in they're great games because they're either playing the best of those teams or they're playing each other so mm. every game's got the potential to be good there were just too many dickens i i think i, I agree quite a lot with what snowy said but i think you know <sighs> What I love is World Rugby did the most World Rugby answer is with the new World Cup is they're saying, oh, we'll, we'll do the seeding as late as possible. So they've not committed to anything. It's the most vague sentence. I think the problem is not what happens at the World Cup. It's what happens in between. And that's why it frustrates me seeing Portugal do so well, because every World Cup, we've had a really good team and go, oh, God, this is World Rugby's chance. They'll build on this. They can really generate interest. And then they do nothing. They need, like, was it Tonga who'd played, like, nine games between the two World Cups? 
Yeah, I mean, to, to be fair, you do have the fact that COVID was around for two years. Yeah, okay, there is only yeah, so much that there, there, yeah, can Ed, do. Ed, I'm not, I'm not disputing that, but they statistically there is a lot of less game time for the lower nations than the bigger nations. Now I'm not saying they should necessarily play the bigger nations all the time because it will lead to dickens, but this new world rugby structure that Bill Beaumont's got so excited about, again, just only helps the big nations. There's still more. If you want to expand the World Cup, those, like Snowy said, those teams need to be competitive. Otherwise, it becomes a joke and you're just like, what's the point? Just get the bigger nations playing each other sooner. Um, this World Cup, I'll be honest, it dwindled in interest for me the longer the World Cup went on and seeing like results... I was gutted France went out because I just really wanted to see a team that actually tried to play some rugby, play some rugby. I know credit to South Africa, they ground out. They're very good at what they do and they're not that one-dimensional. They're just an inherently a team I dislike. One of the reasons it was the best World Cup ever, it was fucking funny to watch Ireland um, bottle it, um, <laughs> I think. But for me, it, it, it just, it, it was a bit depressingly predictable um and i don't think the fight the final was a typical rugby world cup final they're never exciting are they because there's too much writing yeah there's there's too much on it isn't it yeah just 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 sort of on i'm going to counter snowy's thing i don't i'm not saying anyway it's not the best it's not the best world cup i i think as you you rightly say snow there are other other world cups i think you certainly i would actually say 2015 was a really good world cup despite england getting knocked out mm-hmm. early because there was as you say there were, i think in in all but probably actually probably including england's pool but in every pool you almost had two two three teams who were really able to 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 challenge for those positions probably only the new zealand pool that was was the one that that stuck out and wasn't that case wasn't the case but um what that lacked, I think, was that we didn't have a Northern Hemisphere team in the in the semi-final. I think the fact that we got all right one England in the in the semi-final helped this one. Um, I do think that the 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 yes the the biggest issue I think probably was the um, those those games where four years ago you felt that the get that the the um, the gap was closing a little bit so teams would get to 60 minutes quite close and then they get blown away these this world cup those teams like namibia like tonga like romania etc were barely getting to 30 minutes before they were blown away and and that was the that seemed to be where we've been set back i think part of that was covid i do think the fact that they've had so few opportunities to play any rugby let alone tier one teams, I mean, which people continually go on about. Um, I think that that was a big, big setback. The other bit I do think lent it to being a really good World Cup was, I think, with the exception of some of the organisation, the crowds, brilliant. If you look at the crowds yeah. across the tournament, yeah. there was that's, some... that's the thing for me. The, the yeah. tournament was played in France, which obviously is very close to us. So we mm-hmm. were able as Brits to, to travel with ease. But it's a country that loves the game. Mm. And I think the next World Cup is in a country that's fallen very much out of love with the game. So I think it would be quite interesting. And Australia isn't close to anything. It's not even no. close to New Zealand. No, it's three and a half hours, four hours from New Zealand, isn't it? So so I think the crowds have been fantastic. And, mm. and that's something that is um, and, and, obviously and... being pushed that they're 
they've played them in bigger stadiums and they've managed to sell out or nearly sell out all those games. They've sold loads of tickets, which is fantastic. Is that going to be the case in Australia? No. And actually, sorry, I'll come to you, Snow. Just this, this interesting your point about this as well, is the fact that one thing I didn't realise until we were out there and, I, and then I've subsequently read was the number of fans from Germany, Netherlands, Belgium, uh, Czech Republic, Romania, Bulgaria, teams that weren't even in the World Cup, Germany weren't even in the World Cup, that were, um, were loads of, of fans were coming over to watch it because why wouldn't you? It's on your doorstep. Yeah, I mean, my, my, so my judgment was purely on the games. Fair enough, yeah. But but I agree. I mean, in, in France, they've got the numbers behind it. They've got the population. They've got the big enough cities. They don't. They didn't even really need to play the minnow games in smaller stadiums. No. They were able to get the crowds. So I think, and I think they worked for ticketing so that they guaranteed fans were at those games in a very clever way as well, which was yeah. really good. And yeah, one of my mates from work is Dutch. Um, big south africa fan now yeah of course because, he is. you know they've all got <laughs> south african family they've watched every game and was hooked and he, he's dutch he never grew up knowing any rugby and yeah just because it's so available um now on european tv even if you're not in the the host country so i think that was really really good but i mean there are only france and england world cups that are able to do that and that's yeah. why they, they sort of rotate between england and france when they need to make some money and then go back out to the minnow nations like Australia, the second tier, <laughs> the second, the second round. To be fair, yeah. no, I, obviously it was a hard, it was a hard time zone watch. But when it was in Japan, it was very well. Yeah, done. and that was a great, that was a great, and, and that, yeah, that, great World Cup Japan. Because again, though, it's a very, it's a, it's a massive rugby following nation. And, and, and that's, clubs that's, and, yeah, most of the places. That, that's how you wish they would look at it sometimes, isn't it? Is look at the teams that could put on a good world cup because i think we're all for growing the game it's not just about giving it to a minnow um team it's it's about giving it to a country that might be up and coming in rugby but have they yeah. got the infrastructure have they got the ability to generate that interest have they got yeah. the stadiums to do it and that was to, to japan's credit that's exactly what they did wasn't it they got the stadiums for that's what you need yeah, you can't go to Georgia or Portugal or something, can you, realistically? No. I mean, I, Portugal might have I mean we, we've all talked about somewhere like America, if they get their act together with the rugby a bit more, they could definitely pull off a really good World Cup. And I think going back to... There's no point, really, is there, having Georgia play England all the time, if it's not maybe Georgia's about it, like Chile and those guys are coming through, playing England. What I'd like to see more is, like, the return of, like, England A or the Saxons or whatever you call it, and they could tour and play those kind of countries a bit. That's a bit of exposure to a higher level of opposition than they're normally playing. You've got to get that balance right. They've got to have games they can win. There's no point them playing teams week in, week out are just going to dick them. What do they gain? Well, the argument being, Russ, is that actually, if England were to play Chile, right, or Uruguay or Portugal in an autumn international, what side we're going to put out? We're going to put any. We're going to basically put a Saxon side out. So you might as well, as you say, quite rightly, put the Saxons as a back in in the play. Well, you can't. Around. I don't think you can do that, can you? What's that? Well, they have to pick players from the name. Well, squad. yeah, but we're, all right, we're going to. We're, so the England squad, it, we're going to. We're not going to play it would be the rotation game with the rotation yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. But the bench know. get their start, and the players that didn't make the bench get the bench. Yeah. yeah. But I've I've bemoaned for a long time our ability to bring players up and not have enough caps. You know, I mean, obviously 
devastated to see Ben Youngs retire. Absolutely, you know. But we've got no one capped at nine, for example. Saxons is a great chance to start seeing those players at a different level. I used to really look forward to when when it was the Lions season and we'd tour to like Argentina or wherever. We won't talk about a tour from hell, but it was a good chance to see these players that we've all gone, this guy, like Val, for example, would be a great opportunity that if you're not going to play him in the big games, get him in the Saxons and start seeing what he can do at an international level. Is so it? There's, even though I agree with all the benefits you said, there's two big reasons why it can't happen. One is that premiership teams don't want their players to play yeah. because of the yeah, I, and The second one is the RFU doesn't have any money. They're not money Yeah, I, I, I take no. all of this, no, but it, it, it's what just annoys me when they say they want to grow the game yeah. and then you see like what they've churned out. The new format, the only teams it benefits are those that are already really well off and it's not mm. going to benefit anyone. And ultimately, it's a snake eating its tail, isn't it? You, there's only so much money that you can dip into at the moment. Um, so on 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 the World Cup future, we'll we'll kind of we'll we'll talk about quickly this because it's and then we'll move on to W15 and we'll finish for the day, finish for the pod. But um, the the World Cup 2027 is going to have 24 teams, um, and a couple of the suggestions they've not finalised anything around the format of this. But there's as you say, Snow, there there is a potential that they might be a a bit like they have in the T20 World Cup. Um, in the cricket, um, that um, allows you'd have like a, a pre-tournament that um, qualifies into the main tournament. That's one option, and then the other option is is to have twenty-four teams play the pools as they have done at the moment. But then basically, the teams in third and fourth in those pools, then or third or however you want to do it, then qualify for a plate tournament, which allows them to be entered into the World League or however you want to do it. Um, so they're the two options. Snowy, you've got one thing just to add quickly before we kind of go into that in a bit more detail. Yeah, there was a comment on the um, on the Gloucester game about the the team that it was a bit of a... Um... A bit of a leak, if you like, that, mm. that that World Rugby are looking at what law changes they could possibly put in place oh, yeah. um, to present so much back and forth kicking. Which is, I'm very pleased that they're looking at it because, oh my God, is it dreadful to watch? It is boring, um, especially when Gloucester are doing it. Um, and it, they suggested that the the most likely thing that they'd trial is the ability to mark anywhere in your own half, um, which I thought was quite interesting. So mm. just to open it up to everyone what their thoughts are. Oh, do you know what? I don't like the idea of that. I think the better way of doing it, the the, the, the one the one the one solution would be to uh, my solution is to basically say ref calls the ref calls ball available, and at that point you cannot join the you cannot join that caterpillar because that's half the problem is that yeah. it basically takes it takes fifteen seconds for the ball to come to the back of the rut for them to box kick it then for them to do it. I'd probably do that first. I suppose the marking anywhere in the in the half, yes, it discourages kicking, but I don't know. It seems that seems I like think, overkill. I, I think with that though, Ed, if you have if the referee can say the ball is available and that means mm. that no other players from the uh, team in possession can hit the ruck, then that massively opens the door for the counter ruck to mm -hmm. if they're quick enough to stack a couple more in the counter ruck 
and overpower them because they're not in a position to put more in I, I th- to maintain possession. I think very hard, I, very, the reason they haven't changed that specifically is it's very hard to do it without altering a fundamental rule, which is that the ball's still in when it's on the back foot. So if you say you can't caterpillar, well, the, well, it's the, not really caterpillar. You're, you're, someone else is joining the rut. I think, yeah. The one I, I, what, what you're saying is, sorry, Russell, I will look at yeah, yeah, what yeah, I'm yeah. saying is, I think specifically the issue here is the caterpillar. So you're, what you're saying is that, um, well, you just you just have a use it and a really strictly enforced three seconds, and then. But that's, that's basically not, what I'm then, saying. Is just, I'm just saying that the, 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 the terminology is... used by the referee could be balls available at that point. Yeah, yeah, you're right, Jim. You could have someone smashing in and, and trying to do a county rut. But to be honest, that the margins on that quite are small because it only takes you to get around the side a little bit and then you're going to be pinged anyway. So I, I know what you're saying right. there. Sorry, you, you Russ, could say ahead. the Ruck's dead or something, couldn't you? So no one can join I, from either I, side. Yeah, yeah exactly. that was that was what yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. So yeah. I, I can see it from both sides. The thing with kicking is, there is a time, like I was saying, there is a time to play. Kicking is a good weapon in rugby if it's used well. It's the caterpillar, like Ed said, that dead box kick. The extreme is you ban box kicking, which I don't think is the no. right answer. It's not no. possible, really. No, I, I, I think the one I, I was going to advocate something like, and Jim's word it better, ruck dead. So you get to a point because no, ultimately a caterpillar's formed when the other side can't contest. They can't counter ruck anyway. So all those other bodies they're adding are a waste of time. So I think if you call ruck dead, mm. if you add anyone else to it, it's a penalty. You um, have to play it. You have to play it. And if you don't, or the other one I liked, which would be batshit, and I don't know how you enforce it, is at some point, instead of going five-second warning, if the ball's at the back and the ass back, you just go, ball's available, and the offside line's gone, and any fucker can come around and get it. Yeah. Just just make it chaotic so you can't set that platform. The other um, solution that people have come out with was um, uh, bring back rucking. Actual yeah, rucking. I mean, it's, it's, it's yeah. funny, isn't it? It's almost like... If there's a re, if you've got an incentive other than a yellow card, <laughs> you, you, you want to lie there, and all you're going to do is get a ten minute breather. But if you're going to lie there and your back is gone, you're going to move quite. I don't, I don't know. I think that I think, never happened. I don't. It know. would never it's happen. Just 2023. No, no, no. I don't think that's a good idea anyway. I think. I think that's. I, just, I think uh, you just I, need. I think the the receiving kicks and being able to call a mark in your half. I think that needs to be trialed. Because I, I don't think you can really, you can't. I just can't envisage how it how it would. <laughs> I, I think you'll still kick a lot because be. I, I think the the up and under still makes sense in that scenario. There's a yeah because it's challengeable, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. The problem yeah. is is let's be honest. The caterpillar started because teams like Exeter worked today. There's there will always be ways and exploits of the laws. I think if you 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 need to enforce it. This has gone on too long. They normally tweak law to remove stuff like this. It's the same as the scrum. Everyone wants to see changes to scrums. Just just enforce it or reduce the ability. Um, the, the, to... the quick the quick easy thing for the scrum is to basically enforce the put in. If you enforce yeah, the put it... in, half the stuff with the scrum goes immediately. Because I think yeah, scrums and... are decent though, compared to three four years ago. Yeah, I, think I don't they think. Are. I, however, I don't agree that you should be able to win a World Cup final. On a so on a scrum. I just so I, I, personally, I think that seems. I, I, someone made yeah. that point. I think it was Nigel Owens. It was just, just basically saying, "Don't make it so that penalties uh, scrums are easy penalties." So yeah. one of the other options that you could do is, if you get a free kick from a scrum, you can't 
I mean, Scrum it. You, you reduce it so it's not always a penalty infringement. It's a free kick, and you're not allowed to call for the scrums. You can't keep putting that pressure on to generate penalties from scrums. Makes you do something different. I mean, they, it seems they, like the mark, the mark, because uh, that's the other thing. That's, though, that's, that's my. That that's was what's going to happen at. unless you change the law to say you cannot offer you cannot offer a scrum from a mark. Well, you're going to see what Razzi did in the World Cup because that's all you, everyone would you, do, you, and it'll be yeah, boring. Oh yeah, that's that, when they should change. They should but change. the whole point you're, of a scrum yeah, is to restart the game. Yeah, yeah, but that, whole, so that's what you're. Yeah, that, 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 that stopped ten years ago, mate. That's that, that, that idea Ed, yeah, just ended ten just, years ago. But if you've got Ed, a free kick, you can start the game. Anyway. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. So what you'll get is savvy teams. Yeah, I think savvy teams will do what Razzie did. Oh, who gives a choose a So you'd almost get a team like X to put the box kick up, and you're almost going, please call the mark, please call the mark, and take the scrum, and and that's that's the thing. So I think you just have to lessen the. The ability to get easy yeah, but you don't, you don't have to call a mark. No, I know, and you, and you don't have to nominate a scrum. Yeah. You called it. <laughs> no, true, but but equally then, but that's the thing. I think I would get rid of that entirely. You you cannot opt as for a scrum from a mark. That just seems ridiculous. Yeah, as you true. say, Jamie, yeah. it it was again. It was something I don't think anyone had ever thought that would ha- was possible. Was just a group <laughs> chat. It's, just, it's the just... only time where I've seen our group chat kind of go really what quiet. The fuck everyone's kind of going. <laughs> What's going on? Just, yeah. yeah, so I think... Oh, sorry, he did it twice, though. They backfired once. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 the final, they did it, and it didn't They didn't get a penalty from it, and actually New Zealand put the shove on. Um, but then South Africa ended up clearing and all the rest of it. But So anyway, just just quickly before we finish, then, in terms of this one, do we think... what What's our preferred option in terms of the the format for a 2014 World Cup. Do we think, as Snowy said, which is, which I, I, to be honest, I don't actually have a preference. I think that's a really good option, which is like a pre, a 2014 team World Cup, I should say, Ah. sorry. So the 2014 World Cup, which is Snowy's option, which is to have almost like a pre-tournament fight for the, for the the places to get into the, the next stage. Or do we have a plate competition once we get through the pool stages. I mean, I, I don't really have a preference. I think both have, have got advantages I, and I disadvantages. Yeah, I'd go for the former, but I, I'd be cautious with terminology like pre-tournament. So it would be the tournament. It's just yes, I know what you mean. Yeah. don't come in until that stage, a bit like the FA Cup, right? In the third round, the, yeah. you start to get a good team. That, that, that has the potential to work. I think I think the, um, the build-up, you know, because like the road to World Cup, 2027 starts now kind of to, for those non um non automatically involved teams and i think yeah. that's brilliant so that they they have their all their games and the repechages and all that <laughs> to, to 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 find their way and, and gain access to the world cup and i think it works fantastically in sevens and i think absolutely there, there were so many opportunities for good games that we didn't get the opportunity to see because the the semi-finals, uh, yeah, quarter-final, semi-final are only against the best teams. They're mm. not against the teams that finished third and fourth in their pool. Well, actually, let's have the top two go through and the bottom two go in. You know, you could have all the third teams go into a into a bowl and all the fourth teams go into a plate or however. You there has to it. be, I mean, the, the only thing I'd say, and this is why I'm not, I'm, you know, I've mentioned it and it's something I've, I've, I've referenced before. The only reason <laughs> I'm not saying this is the answer is because there has to be something. If you do have a plate competition, there has to be something that 
that's meaningful at the end of it. It can't just be be ranking points. It's going to be ranking points, and you could quite easily have the winner of that gets automatic qualification for the next World Cup, which they wouldn't already have. So that would be automatic qualifications. The obvious, yeah, that's the obvious. But also, it's you know, I think it would be really easy to go. You finish the pool stage, and because we've now. you know, it's been really good that it's only been weekend games. We haven't really had the the midweek fixtures and the short turnarounds and stuff for those lesser nations like we've mm. had previously. So you have the end of the pool stage. The following weekend, it's the quarterfinal. Yeah, it'll, say, it'll, be, yeah. it'll be second round, wouldn't it, now? Or, yeah. Last 16, whatever it's called. And then the, the secondary plate competition will have like a 10-day rest. And then it will start midweek. So then you can have a game on a Tuesday and a Wednesday. And then they just, and then those games continue as the midweek games. They're not going to be as popular, but it kind of, it keeps the, keeps the TV people happy because they've got games on different days. I just think it, I just think it would work. And and if you were there as a punter, then yeah. you go, right, well, let's get there on the Wednesday, see that game, stay for the weekend and see those two games. Yeah, I, I, I mean, there's definitely, definitely um, opportunities here that that the that the world rugby can look into. As Russ kind of mentioned earlier, though, they do have the ability to uh, to grab the nettle rather than the um, <laughs> the the the. Yeah, how the can dot we leaf. take this golden goose and fuck it up? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I, I, I do, I do have concerns. I, I mean, the other thing as well is. We mentioned Japan as well. One of the reasons Japan worked so well was because it had a integrated network of transport systems, so you could get to places. Because it's still quite a big country, um, but it had places you know you could easily get to. Australia has one of the, well, I mean, let's be honest. You've got Perth one side of the country, Melbourne, Adelaide, Sydney, Brisbane, Gold Coast. You know, they're what, not. How, how come we haven't really gone further into Europe yet? Because I think, like, a Spain and Portugal or Italy, so you've that's got the... enough European yeah. rugby fans that would travel. That's the rumor. So, what they're saying next, obviously, America's because they, they doubled up. So, Australia got the next one, then America, which seems sen- sensible. I mean, you, you're going to have to try and get, expand and break America at some point. Football did it and, and actually succeeded. I mean, people look back at the 94 World Cup and go, well, oh, bloody awful. But at the end of the day, it succeeded. Um, the, I think rugby in America makes sense. The problem you're going to have is what stadia do you use because it's going to be played probably during an start of the NFL season. So that's going to be interesting. So was it college? You know, all these different things. I think you there's can't loads fit of... rugby pitches on NFL pitches most of the time anyway. This is the other issue. You know, so what? What? Which stadia do we end up playing in? But we'll see that. We'll come to that eventually in eight years' time. Um, but the 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 rumor is that the next European World Cup is more likely to be um, uh, an Italian bid or Spain Portugal bid um, because you've got stadia, you've got an infrastructure there that can can handle it. I mean, I you know, it can't just simply be as you said, Jim, France. Or England every eight years. It has yeah. to be something different, and it has. That's the only way you're going to grow the game. As you and I think, to be honest, uh, I mean, you could even throw it out there and as wild and mental as possible. If we're going to expand it and say, look, this is we we could get the likes of a Germany, a Germany World Cup would be brilliant. They've got incredible stadia in Germany. They've got a brilliant, um, faci- you know, facilities and 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 it's a great <coughs> country to go to and visit and. 
there's a lot you know everyone can get there that that would be just as good as saying going to spain or italy or wherever but yeah uh, i mean it, at least italy and spain have played some rugby so it would be i agree yes like, i mean yes i think i think italy to me italy seems <laughs> the obvious one yeah. if i was going to pick the next european world cup italy does yeah italy above anybody else because look it's it's probably the best country other than france in europe and, and it's also that their last chance saloon to get good at rugby themselves <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, let's be honest. You know, a lot of the stadia that we'd all love to go to would have been demolished by that point. But they're, they're, I'm sure they'll have some really exciting and new ones uh, put in place. Right. Um, we'll finish just quickly about the WX15 or W15. I don't know what WXV. Um, England won it um, uh, with a with a really comprehensive and 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 good win away to New Zealand, which should never be sniffed at because in the, the day, New Zealand don't lose. Many games, full stop. England have had a bit of a uh, become a bit of a bogey side for them. Unfortunately, apart from the World Cup final, um, Jim, I, I did watch it. It was painful because, as I said, you have to rely on an app and therefore your phone or your iPad. Oh, um, it was absolutely hideous. So I was trying to get ITVX to work through my uh, Google TV. Hmm. And it kind of loaded, and it couldn't even get the thing to start. Like it would, it would reset itself like every time the app loaded. So that was failure. So I did it on my phone and then cast it to the telly, and that just buffered and buffered and buffered. Um, real, real problem. So I ended up just watching it on my phone. Yeah. Um, but the first twenty minutes. Oh yeah, the incredible. First twenty minutes was <laughs> the most cutthroat England display I have ever seen from any England side. It was just, we're still pissed off about the World Cup final and you're getting it. And they <laughs> absolutely hammered New Zealand. New Zealand were just totally shell-shocked. Yeah. Um, and they did really, really well to to score um, just one try before half-time, which kind of made the score, like, I think it was 19-7. I think, wasn't it, half-time? Yeah, so it kind of made the, the scoreline a little bit, um, you know, a little bit more two-sided um but really really entertaining game obviously marley packer england captain also got announced as being uh women's player of the year yeah um, world rugby women's player of the year so congrats to her um i didn't catch who got player of the match in the game i don't know if you did ed uh no but, but I, I thought zoe oldcroft was yeah zoe oldcroft was fantastic yeah like a second row was like carrying, making breaks, tackling, doing doing the work of a second row and a back row. She was fantastic. Um, really, really, really good. And but say that, like the whole the whole team played um played really well. Um so it it was it was kind of nice in a way that the last game, because it wasn't a final, but it No, it's but weird. The, but the winner was going to <laughs> winner was going to win. So mm. it, it it kind of became the 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 final, which was Quite a nice, probably they, they probably did it slightly on purpose, but I think the way, what we've been talking about, obviously with the men's World Cup, um, and the massive mismatches that we've had in in a lot of the games, because this whole tournament was three separate tournaments: the WXV one, two, and three, in three completely separate countries, um, that you kind of you, there were no mismatches. Um, I think you know. Canada, France were also, you know, very, very strong. Mm. Um, well, Canada then, won, didn't they? Canada, Canada beat France in yes, their final game. Yeah, 
so so you know it was they were they were all games that were were close were tight um and the same can be said um not quite so much with wx uh xv3 with the likes of kazakhstan getting 100 points plus put on them but mm. you know you've got to start somewhere and hopefully they'll improve i mean i said that the south african winning side were absolutely <laughs> dire a few years ago and they've come they've improved massively so I think it's a really, really good format, and I don't know whether they've planned another one yet. Or they haven't announced anything trial. yet. It, it's supposed to be year on year. They haven't announced at all where it's going to be. I would, my, my gut feeling is it'll be England, but it could be. I mean, it could be anywhere. I mean, it doesn't make a difference. Yeah. Does it? Really but it makes it perfect sense to maybe do it every two years and alternate it with the World Cup. Uh, mm. If they're going to do it every year. I don't know that might well every every year apart from the World Cup. Yeah, that, yeah. It, the the it, one it, thing it, it could work. Yeah, the one thing that's also being muted muted at the moment in terms of the um, women's game is a uh, Lions side. Um, yeah, which which, which is, I, it I don't would know. make sense to maybe tour to New Zealand, but there's no point going to Australia. Australia are better than they were. But it, um, it's, a, it's just going to be. It's just going to be. It's going to be loads of England players. There, but there was talk about going to France. Actually, like the Lions could tour to France and play there. Um, women, the Lions, women. Yes. Yeah, because that's uh, because that's because another thing that. Yeah, I was going to say that's the France, other thing that's come out France this week. Are really good. So you are. Yeah. I was about to say it. You know, or Canada, I suppose, because Canada. Uh, oh, a North American tour. There. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it would kind of. Yeah. Don't. If you're gonna if you're gonna follow the men's model, don't follow it all the way. No, don't, don't just do, make it the southern hemisphere sides. So um, on that, do, do what you need to do with it. Exactly. Um, on that, just quickly returning to the men's game briefly before we finish, there was a bit of chat this week about the Lions tour and about the <coughs> inadequacies in the Lions tour and the fact that it's only ever New Zealand, South Africa, Australia, and actually if we look at Australia as the next Lions tour, what's the bloody point? Um, which, yeah, to be honest. Um, uh, so I, I, I just think to myself, so when people mention France, so France is the obvious one, right? Why don't they do a Lions tour to France? Well, the whole point of a Lions tour in history, in, in the previous thing was that no, no individual union was strong enough or actually rich enough to put on a tour to the Southern hemisphere. That's the reason why they did the Lions tours. Um, and I'm not one, I, again, I know Russ, you're particularly a big fan of the Lions, and I get it. It's it's a a big institution in rugby. I do wonder whether the next Lions tour is going to be the last one. I don't necessarily think there's much room if we're going to just keep, keep the doing it. The amount of money that people spend still, you you got to pay like however many hundred quid it is to get on a pre-sale I mean, like VIP group. Yeah, it I won't, just, it's, it it's won't. bonkers. It won't yeah. be the last one because it makes a fortune for the Southern Hemisphere. It it props up places like Australia who are their their rugby, you know, the Australian RFU mm. is pretty much bankrupt. Um, I love it for various reasons. I recognise that the world, rugby world's changed. I love the barbarians the same way, but rugby has a habit of evolving and changing. I think the Lions still does have something to offer. Tours are shorter. I, I I'm not against going to to see them play in France. I think I think it's definitely an option. I think if you're going to keep yeah, you're going to if you're going to if you're going to 
keep it exciting and interesting and new. Certainly a South American tour would make sense. Argentina, Uruguay, Chile, add them all in. You keep, you know, Chile and Uruguay, your midweek fixtures in Argentina, you have a couple of two. And if you want to have like a, you know, sod it, time it for when it's the, um, you know, the rugby championship and New Zealand are over in Argentina and they want to play, you know, you can, you've got to be <coughs> sensible about it and make it an interesting thing. But I, I do think there is a possibility that, what we're seeing with the women's game, which is this more, it, it, which is inherently what this World League is going to probably end up being, is that's the that's the way the World Rugby want to go. World Rugby want more control. They want to see the nations playing individually against the nations more often, preferably with a bit more of an up, up you know, relegation promotion, so you can um, mix it up a bit. I think that seems to be where the the trajectory of this stuff is going, and that's where I think probably. The Lions may not be long for this world. That's my gut. But again, I'm I'm often nearly always wrong. So Russ can talk to me in four years' time, looking saying, Are "You planning to go to New Zealand?" I, I, uh, I, all, all, <laughs> it, it, all joking apart, mm. I genuinely get where you're coming from, but I think it is too big a money spinner for the Southern Hemisphere. Southern hemisphere. They benefit yeah. from it more than anyone. Yeah so, yeah. so they will not let it die for that reason. They'll always find a way to make it work. I normally tell you you're wrong. And I do <laughs> but I understand where you're coming from on this one. Yeah. I just think they're not but you still think I'm die. wrong. So that's fair enough. <laughs> right. I still think uh, you're wrong, but I do understand where you're coming from. It's not as batshit as some of your views. No, that's that's say. absolutely fine. Um what so thank you very much, guys. Look, you got a game on Friday again. It's Gloucester Bath, as we've already mentioned. Um, it's a big one for many reasons, as it always is. Uh, I'm going to get your quick predictions. Snowy, your prediction think, for Friday night? I think we'll win it, and then everyone will go mental about how awesome we are, and then we'll lose every other game this season. <laughs> <laughs> would, would, you, would you accept that? <laughs> no, no. No, I wouldn't either. No. Uh, Jim, what do you reckon? Oh, we've got to see an improvement in the line out. Uh, I don't. I, I, yeah, it would be impossible for us not to be better in the line out in the mall because they will absolutely have been practicing it plenty and be concentrating on it. Um, I think we'll stack the team, although everyone's injured. It will be the strongest team we can possibly field. Um, I'll be honest, I haven't seen anything of Bath this season, so I don't have a, other than score lines, I don't really mm. know how how well I think they're playing. But any team coming to King's Home at the moment will be confident of a win, just because of how shit Gloucester have been. So I think it's going to be a really, really tough, tough evening. And it'll probably come down to one missed kick or one collapse scrum or one piece of brilliance, hopefully by a Gloucester player. But uh, I'm going to say Bath by a few. Mm-hmm. Russ? We'll say we're putting out a full-strength team and about six of them will pull out 10 minutes before kick-off <laughs> and Finn Russell, will cut us, Finn Russell will cut us to pieces and everyone will say it's fine because if we put our full strength seat side out, we would have won. And they'll give Skivs a 10-year contract. And my life in what I now determine is rugby hell will continue. 
because okay. I think this shit is never ending because it's designed to give me an aneurysm. So I think going back to last year, we got bit, we got bullied a little bit last year. We, we, I remember the, the game last year where we started on like an absolute rocket up our ass and fell away from about 20 minutes, 25 minutes on. And Bath just bullied us second half. And it was quite a bit embarrassing, particularly in the scrum. I think the key this year will be if we can, if we can, you know, make a dent and make our, our scrum as strong as possible, we should be okay. But as Snowy says, I have a feeling this could be a win. We'll all get overexcited. Well, we won't. We, we, we know where we're going to be, but a lot of people get overexcited. And then, um, the following week is uh, Exeter, isn't it? I think is it Exeter next week, the week after. Oh, I don't know. I get and, they, gets... and they picked up a win today, didn't they, against Bristol? <laughs> who was the other top like, form side? Yeah, so then our top. So yes, yeah, so the following Exeter, Sunday, is Exeter, Exeter, which are away, looking very Exeter look very good this year. Yeah, they're scoring a lot of points. Record. I think. Yeah, that, so I that think uh, worries me. A lot. Yeah, I, I think I think that's going to be the thing. You know, we, we if we but if we can win our home games, if we win all our home games for we've the rest lost, of the season. We've lost a home game, yeah, for the rest of the season. For rest of the season, <laughs> we can win all our games for the rest of the home games. We're for the rest one of season. one so far. <laughs> yeah, we we will be happy, but we'll go from there. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Have a good evening. Have a good week, and we'll speak again next week. Cheers. 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 Bye bye. Cheers, boys. <laughs>